Welcome, everyone, to another glorious Sunday morning for us edition of Talk Hard, presented by Walk Southly Films. Uh, I'm going to introduce the guys today with quotes from uh, last Talk Hard. We did our Mount Rushmore Funny Guys. Bill Murray was the unanimous choice, and all of us had our favorite Bill Murray movie to point to for a performance. So I'm going to introduce you guys with a quote from your favorite Bill Murray movies. So... Joining me at this time, chicks dig him because he rarely wears underwear, and when he does, it's usually something unusual. Todd Sheen. If you knew right now how right you were. <laughs> and also, I'm from Frankfurt. Sorry he gets a little bit insensitive, but he's a hitman. Scott Stafford. Hey, everybody. And... uh well, me, I'm a guy, I don't think, from Groundhog Day. Alan Martin. So, guys, uh, it's been a full week of fun and fancy free for all of us. Uh, what have you guys been into? Me first? I went to, I went to a concert. How about that? A, a concert? A music concert? That's right. Live music. Um. Kenny G was in Kentucky yesterday. And that is not where I went. Oh, okay, good. Uh, <laughs> that was not really, I don't know if that was a question or just a statement. Do, do any of you, are any of the three of us like big live music heads? Is that, how, how often do you all make it to a concert? You want to you answer that, <laughs> Todd? Your answer is going to be a lot more interesting than mine. If. If it's the greatest band in the world, according to me, I'd go. I'd go see them probably any time they came close. But how how often do you make it? Like currently, um, last concert I went to, uh, actually, I was given tickets to go see Huey Lewis and the News at Center College Homecoming a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. So that's the last time I actually have been in a seat at a at a pay for concert. Yeah, yeah, two years ago, and so and. Um, it would have been 2000, let's see, 2012, I think. And before. the last time before that, how? It would have been probably um, 1990, <laughs> wait a minute, no, yeah. no, 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 I go back, 2007, okay. 2007. So it's safe to say that none of us are like, you know, anytime we can get to a concert, we're doing that. We're not. I, I'll, I'll go a step further. I if somebody offered me free tri- tickets to go across the road and watch <laughs> Pearl Jam, which is my favorite band, I probably wouldn't go. Okay. All right. So for me, it's, uh, yeah, like I like live music, but I'm just not going unless it's uh, one of my absolute favorite bands. Like that's what it takes to get me to go. Like somebody that I absolutely have to see. I don't want to miss the chance. And uh, like, for example... I think my last three concerts have been U2 in uh, Rupp Arena, which was uh, almost, it was like 15 years ago, something 16 years ago. And uh, after that, I think I think there was a gulf between that of probably at least 10 years uh, or 12 years, and then Al Green I saw in Danville. So both of which I had to see, and then... This past uh, this past week, I went to see Heim. That's who I went to see, and I'm about to. I've uh, never heard of them. Okay, it's three sisters, and uh, I kind of stumbled into them on um, Saturday Night Live. They played a Saturday Night Live, and uh, I was I was into it right away. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a bold statement right now. Uh oh, here we go. We're starting off hot. Best Uh-oh. best rock band on earth right now. Whoa. For my money. Yeah. The best rock band on earth. Three 
sisters. Exactly. That I, I've never heard of. That's exactly right. I think, I mean, for one thing, I think rock and roll is dead. But, you know, yeah. so the kings are dead and long live the queens. These girls, like, there just aren't that many people out there doing rock and roll. And, I mean, <laughs> these girls kill it. I mean, they absolutely kill it. And uh, I'm just, you know... We haven't heard anything from Rachel McAdams yet, and I'm just saying, be careful. You know. Uh oh. <laughs> there was shot across the bow of Rachel McAdams' marriage proposal. There might have been some eye contact, and for real though, Ooh. like <laughs> I can I can see what like for all these years, like people have talked about the fascination of like girls and like guitarists, and and you know. And how like they have some type of magical appeal to to the ladies, like I can kind of see what where that's coming from now. Like there was some added <laughs> appeal when uh, the lead singer when she was up there, just killing it. Um, yeah, on some on a couple solos, but they are unbelievable. And if you like the uh like you could this this should not happen so i'm gonna appeal to the people out there if you haven't heard of them like alan hasn't heard of them and i think a lot of people haven't look them up especially if you like if you like rock you could buy tickets on StubHub for less than cover for less than uh face value like you could buy tickets for like eight bucks and where did you see them at like what was the venue uh it was mercury ballroom in uh, louisville which is right beside the palace and uh which it's a good venue by the way it's kind of new and so yeah if you get a if they if you get a chance for one thing check them out and if you get a chance to see them live absolutely do that i already appealed to your to your boy alan uh your your oldest is in bonnaroo right now he he is the opposite of us when it comes to live music right absolutely yes (laughs) so i already told him like you've got to you've got to see them i don't know if he'll do it or not but uh yeah, so that's my claim. Best living rock band right now. Best rock band. And, you know, the Stones are still playing. U2 is still playing. But they're not really, you know, recording all that much. And, you know, they're all 60, 70 years old, right. fi- late 50s. So, yeah, I'm I'm resolute on my claim that that is the best rock band on earth right now. And I love those girls. That is pretty bold. What What's your thoughts on? Because I love, but I I mean I don't listen to a lot of music, but I love Pearl Jam. What's your thoughts on PJ? Uh, Pearl Jam, I loved in high school, mm-hmm. and uh, haven't really dug any of their albums since Verses. Like uh, Vi- right. Vitology was kind of the end of it for me with Pearl Jam. Uh, Michael Startsman, who you know, that's his favorite band too, and. Um, I think from what I've, I kind of want to check out their very newest album. Um, I had just haven't yet, but they're good. But I mean, that's a big gulf of time where they made a whole bunch of music that I wasn't interested in. Right. Um, so, and, and speaking of that, like when you were talking like in the last episode or about your adrenaline rush of like Mm -hmm. performing on stage, uh, in theater, like I can't even imagine the power oh, trip of live music. It's they. I mean, I was just laughing because they would do like anything. You do anything out of the out of the norm. Like you know the uh, Danielle. She would just like hold her guitar up in the air, and everybody lose their minds. You know, and just what what <laughs> oh, whatever it is they would do. It was so easy to get a reaction out of the crowd. Just, I'm going to do this, and you're going to go crazy. And I was like, just like the power trip just must be out of hand. Oh, yeah. I think there's three of those. Uh, I think there's three of those kind of power trips. I think uh, being in a rock band when you're good, mm-hmm. when you when you perform well live, I think uh, pro wrestler when you're, <laughs> when you're at the height of your powers. Yeah. Like, the rock and stone cold and Rick and all those guys, when they were I like, there's no way that you can, you can probably match the crowd just eating out of the palm of your hand. Everything you say, they're hanging on every word and they're quoting stuff as you're saying it and being a stand up comedian and, and hitting all the, hitting all the beats. I think be probably the biggest 
highs that you could probably go on without actually taking something. Yeah, I can. I have no disagreements with that. There's a. I'd like to feel that feeling a couple times. Yeah, maybe one day. <laughs> maybe one day you can get your professional wrestling career off the ground. Todd, you say you had a bold claim, also a bold musical claim. Well, if everybody wants to know the greatest rock band of all time, go ahead and sit back. Uh oh. So Scott gave us the greatest one today. Yes. But you're going to give us the greatest one of all time. I'm. I am. And Here I'm, we go. And I'm not. I'm not ashamed of this. Uh, currently, they are on hiatus. Uh, and they've been on, I guess they've been on a couple of hiatai. Um, Don't say Bay but, City Rollers because um, I'm not going with you. Okay, that would be going. That'd be going back to the '70s and and the days of Captain Cool and the Kongs. But uh, look that up, everybody, because trust me, it'll be worth your time. Um, now the, the band actually that I'm talking about, they, um, this is the, this is the 30th anniversary year of their, um, of their, of their incarnation. Um, Hmm. they, um, they actually rose from the, um, gosh, they rose from the ashes from a band that was created in the late sixties, early seventies in, in, in Australia. Um, they're a New Zealand band because, uh, that's where they, the, the key members formed, uh, he, he was from New Zealand, but the band I'm speaking of, of course, that everybody knows, and you're just, you know, they're just waiting for me to say it, that is Crowded House. Crowded, now, crowded House. That's right. <laughs> the greatest right. band of all Get time. Get out of here. Get out that's of right. here. That's right. That's right. And and you know what? I will tell you, I will tell you, the reason you don't already know this is because you might be able to name one or two of their songs. I can't. Or not. I cannot. Exactly. I've I've got one in my head, but I couldn't tell you what the title of it is. It's probably the one that everybody knows. And, you, you know, you'll probably hear one if you're shopping at Big Lots at any time of the day you'll hear a, a crowded house song in the big lots radio system. Um, that's not, that's, that, that shouldn't be a, an omen or anything because that's just, they, they play everything. And it just so happens. I hear a crowded house song every time I go in there usually, but um, they are the greatest band that nobody knows the name of. They are also the greatest band of all time. So they're both. Because I was going to ask for a distinction, but you're you're saying that it's both, right? They're they're not they're not the Stones, they're not the Who, they're not Floyd, they're not Zeppelin, they're not U two, they're not uh, the Beatles. Um, they're what the Beatles wanted to be. Oh, jeez, oh, man, <laughs> you guys are coming out throwing haymakers this morning. <laughs> and you know what? Sometimes sometimes you got to throw haymakers. We're, we're wanting those numbers to explode, right? Got to <laughs> right, throw just, some haymakers saying, to make come hay. At me. That's just right. Come at me. Holy crap. That is clickbait I, if I've ever heard it right there. No joke. Because <laughs> um, it's one thing to say the best band you never heard of. Good. Right. It's yeah. a whole other level to say you've never heard of this band, and they're the best of all time. <laughs> Not only that. But the Beatles wish they were them. <laughs> yes, yes. The Beatles, the Beatles possibly could have become as good as what Crowded House became <laughs> if they had just, you know, if they'd not, yeah, 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 and all that. <laughs> you just gotta. It's they. They didn't. They just didn't. Uh, they didn't percolate long enough. Is the thing. Um, you had all the infighting and everything. They were getting there. They were close, let me tell you. Crowded House is fronted by Neil Finn. And are you ready for another one? Neil Finn is the greatest wordsmith of our time. It's just getting deep. It's just going to keep going here. You know what? It it might sound like it's getting deep. It's just because your all's eyes have not been opened yet. 
Okay. That's what this Sunday morning's for. Give us three uh, songs. Three songs that we can go look at. And I'm going to write them down. Because sure. next next week we're going to come back and we're going to we're going to convene about this. Three crowded house songs to make your case. Well, I can say three crowded house songs, but three crowded house songs will not make my case. What will make my case is the body of work, the right. body of work outside of the band that's connected to the band, i.e. Neil Finn solo albums, Neil Finn albums Grandpa. with his brother Tim, who was the creator of Split Ends. What you have to look at is the whole legacy of the, of, of the okay. guy that that started crowd house, which is Neil Finn. He started out playing in his brother's band, um, split ends back in, I think it was 77. Get this. Now, Neil Finn was getting ready to, he was in, he was going to be a, uh, an intern an orderly at a hospital in New Zealand. And then he got the call from his brother who had lost his lead guitarist and one of the other band, one of the other bandmates, one of the other bandmates said to him, why don't you, what about your brother, Neil? I think he'd be a good addition to the band. Well, guess what? He joins the band um, a year, two, maybe th two or three years after he's integrated into the band. Uh, he creates the band's, you know, um, staple song, the one that everybody thinks of when you think of split ends, the one that charted the most. And it was a song you probably too have never heard. You might have heard, but you didn't know. And it's called I Got You. That song uh, kind of I've got you. Yeah. You, so you can listen to I Got You. Now that doesn't that doesn't count as a crowded house song. The crowded okay. house songs, obviously the one that everybody probably knows or at least has heard is Don't Dream It's Over. Um, and that's a timeless one. It's a, uh, it's a great melody. Uh, hey now, hey now. Well, they've got six albums. Like you said, I mean, can you, <laughs> like, have you, do you like listen to 2010's Intriguer a lot? I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I'd Intriguer. If there's a if there's a bad album, or I'm not going to say there's a bad album because there's not there's not a bad album. Yeah, I, but Intriguer, is the one I would not listen to as much. <laughs> but the the first the first four albums, um, again, what we're talking about are are you know there were some personalities in the band that made it impossible for the band to continue on <laughs> to continue and they being also, the best in the and world. And they also and the they also. They did, yeah. But hey, you know, the the only difference between them and the Stones is the Stones know how much money they're going to make every time they do an album, and they half of them hate each other. It's it's obvious. They just stick together because of the payday. Okay. Wouldn't you? I don't think that's the only difference. Would you? Well, that's that's the only difference. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm I'm telling you, if you go through if you go through the albums, Crowded House, Self Titled, Temple of Low Men, Woodface. And together alone, those are their oh, four the albums. Yeah. They're all classics. You listen to those. You listen to those. You listen to those albums. Now, you. <laughs> the thing is, you won't have you. You don't have the hindsight that I do as having, you know, <laughs> listened to them when they first came out, uh, beginning with the band and uh, you know, enjoying that journey. Um, because if you listen to if you listen to um, any of the split ends music, split ends is more they were kind of a, almost an opera type. Yeah, we can't we can't band. get into the split ends, man. We're not, <laughs> but I'm but I'm 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 giving you I'm giving you an, an idea. If you listen to any of that, and then you listen to Crowded House, it is a totally it's a huge departure. They didn't stick with any of the, you know, of the tried and true that they had with split ends. He just embarked on a totally different adventure. Oh. And the, the, the only thing I could call it is, um, you know, a lot of people would, if they were going to try to categorize it, they would say, well, that's kind of Beatle-like. So the audience has they, uh, homework. Right. Yeah. Well, I've got you from the split ends. Don't dream yeah. it's over. Give us, give us two more. Because I cannot wait to see this iTunes bump Crowded House gets from this podcast. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Get ready, get ready, iTunesers. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And you know what? And the other the, the other thing is so so subjective. I mean, any I could give you any of the songs off those four just, albums. Just 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 yeah. Let's do that. But 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 I'm but it, it's gonna it needs to go beyond that. No, it doesn't. Say, it's got to. We've got been to. talking about this for we're on twenty five minutes of Haim and and crowded house. I am okay. Well, um, I'm trying. I'm trying to keep a straight face here, and I'm still trying to teach. I'm still trying to teach you all. Um, but uh, I, okay, I, you put "Don't Dream It's Over" on there. I'm going to yeah. say listen to, um, and again. You're going to have to listen to more, and we'll talk about this later when it doesn't go against your precious time. Um, and uh, yes, we're I'm making, laughing we're trying to make that. a show here. Yes, um, better be home soon is another great one, and another one. Golly, um, I'm going to say okay. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you two more. I'm okay. going to give you one from each album. Uh, the third song is Four Seasons in One Day. And the fifth, the, the fourth, I can give you five, but the fourth, uh, I'm going to call it, um, oh, Distant Sun. Okay. Which might be my favorite Crowded House song of all time. Oh, okay. Well, you, we got to have that one on there. All right. There you have it, everybody. Yeah, so name the four songs that people are going to check out. All right, you're going to check out <clears throat> I've Got You by The Split Ends. Uh, and then we're going to go move into the Crowded House uh, section of iTunes and download Don't Dream It's Over, Better Be Home Soon, Four Seasons in One Day, and Distant Sun. Best $10 you'll spend this week on those songs. And uh, if, if you, Todd Sheen guarantees your money back. Uh, as long as the number doesn't go above three, <laughs> three of three, three viewers. That's a, it's a first come first serve. And I am, I, yeah. Okay. I'll give you four for Heim. I was going to ask you to do so. All right. Uh, the wire, uh, falling. If I could change your mind. And then the fourth is actually a Calvin Harris featuring Haim song called Pray to God. And uh, everybody can everybody can determine what they think about our bold claims. Those are bold. And I have to say, well, we'll, we'll just we'll just leave it there. Well, <laughs> before we leave it there, before we leave it there, let me say one thing. The All four right. songs, the four or five songs I gave you. The four Crowded House songs are Crowded House, and they feature no one but Crowded House. So, <laughs> I, don't fired. Who, I don't know who Calvin Harris is. He sounds like he might have played in the the USFL at one time, but he's uh, uh, he's he's very popular and not asking Crowded House to feature on any of his albums. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. He'd have to he'd have to get on his knees and <laughs> I don't know down, I don't my guess put, is that's not the case. Put put about eight eight hundred count thread runner on there. If I just Man. had to guess, but he, but he might not have to beg so much. Um, I'm telling you, <laughs> the the fire coming from you two on music makes me <laughs> jealous that I don't like music that much. <laughs> uh, because I wish I had some passion to to offer in on this, but I, you know it is what it is to me. And by the way, the lead singer of Heim's name is Danielle. Uh, just so I, you know, so people don't have to hear me say the lead singer for a hundred times. Are you going? Uh, are you going double proposal on this thing yet? Or are you are you holding off to? I'm giving to her. I'm giving. McAdams. I'm giving McAdams every chance. Okay. To make good on this, I mean, because what if she hasn't heard about it and then? You know, she hears about right. it like too late, and and I mean, because that would be that'd be hard to live right. with, right? Yeah. If she's but, interested, I mean, I'm not saying she's interested, but like if you found out and you were, then I, I'm not gonna pull yeah, it back true. that soon. But the the Danielle window could close at any time, so Ugh. you know, 
Oh, man. I, I bet Rachel McAdams likes the Crowded House. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're all going to after this week. I have a feeling. Let me um, let me make one. Well, let me make one more other statement. Holy quick. crap! And that and that is that. You know what, Scott? <laughs> I will go. I would go see Hyam. I would go see Hyam in concert. Yeah, I would go see Crowded House in concert. I would go see Hyam in common concert. ground. I would go see Hyam in concert if they were opening for Crowded House. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> My goodness, we're driving. We're driving up numbers here, sons. We're driving up numbers. It's true. All of a sudden, it's a music podcast. It really is. This is incredible, and I have bring nothing to the table, so I'm just sitting back and watching the fireworks. <laughs> you all are going to have a new idea of what music is after you listen to these songs, and then you tell me, "Oh my gosh, I've got to hear more of this." Man, the market- what other song? Yeah, the marketing for this episode is so easy. It's ridiculous. No joke. <laughs> no joke. Um, I think we need to take a break. Uh, I don't really, I don't really know how to transition into anything movie related from that. Uh, so <laughs> let's uh, let's take a little break. Let's calm down, guys. Let's take a break. So you guys can calm down. Wipe your brows off. You know, go to your separate corners. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna come back. I promise. We're gonna talk movies. This is talk hard. I just want to remind you guys to please keep subscribing to the podcast uh, on iTunes and Stitcher. Um, hit the like button and share it uh, on all the social media platforms and even through emails and and texts. Man, this thing is. It's rolling, and we're, we're getting more subscribers um, all the time, and that's because of you all listening and sharing and subscribing, and, and uh, just want to thank you guys for doing that at this point, and, uh, and keep doing what you're doing. There it was, the Todd-proclaimed greatest band of all time, Crowded House. Welcome back to Talk Hard. Um, yeah, we were going to get into... Something just happened behind me, sorry. We were gonna, uh, he's, he's outdoors right now, by the way, so he, he has to keep... Eyes in the back of his head for any critters. Yeah, and, and, and there was a lot of movement, and there's a lot of spiders out here, and I and it freaked <laughs> me out a little bit. So, um, <laughs> uh, yes, Scott, you had some uh, an interesting, an interesting little tidbit you were wanting to run by us uh, by way of a some sort of tattoo or something, and we just got a sort of a. Um, a snippet of it, but we haven't actually seen this. And, and, uh, would you, what were you thinking with the tattoo? Uh, do you want to make this part of the Marvel minute? Was that coming up? It fits. Yeah, in. we can do the Marvel minute. Yeah, that's fine. That's great. It fits in. Uh, I just thought about go. that. Scott's Marvel minute, where he's going to bring you the latest Marvel news. Here we go. So, uh, Thor Ragnarok made some casting announcements this week. Um, and the one that really caught my attention is Mr. Jeff Goldblum will be playing uh, the Grand Master in Thor, and I'm pretty excited about that. Um, yeah, that's that's a, a move not unlike uh, Del Toro, who played the Collector. Uh, they're actually both here. Here, here you go, nerds. Uh, elders of the universe. Both of those characters are, and so I really like that. I like Goldblum. You could put him in anything for me. Like that guy needs to be in uh, any movie I can get him in. And mm, more casting news for Black Panther. Uh, Michael B. Jordan will be in the Black Panther. 
So I thought oh, that, yeah. that's a pretty big announcement for them. I yeah. mean, what a cast they're putting together with. Uh, so you got Chadwick Boseman, uh, who we saw in Civil War, and now and we and, all liked him. Yep, and we, they already had Lupita Nyong'o, and now they've got Michael B. Jordan. That's a heck of a cast right there. I mean, yeah, man. I don't. I'm not sure that there's anybody they couldn't get right now. Um, it's pretty crazy what they've come to since Iron Man to now. Uh, they kind of, kind of just handpick. Uh, and then the last bit of news before we get to our uh, tattoo story, Norman Reedus is throwing it out there that uh, he wouldn't mind being Ghost Rider. He'd like to play Ghost Rider. Boy, I, you want to feel those Nick Cage shoes? <laughs> Can is it possible? Can you? I don't know. Uh, I, I man, I like that actually. Yeah, I don't hate that. And somebody's got to make a good Ghost Rider movie at some point, right? Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about this personally before. That ought to be one of the easiest movies to like get the tone right and the look of it right and for some reason nobody can. Yeah, absolutely. And now that like it seems like back when the other ones were being made, they were kind of afraid to go dark cuz they wanted kids to watch it and now that they're not so so much afraid yeah. to do that with Deadpool coming out with the R rating and some of this uh, Netflix stuff being pretty dark. I, I think that you could actually get the tone right and not have to worry about marketing and kids and all that stuff. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, probably the only like dark stuff that Marvel Studios has made so far is the Netflix shows, and it probably would be perfect for that if they were willing to dish out some major cash to do the effects and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll it'll that would be interesting to see. I, they don't have any plans whatsoever he's just throwing it out there but uh it has been bandied about as a netflix show they're like the fans keep giving it heat as a netflix show so we'll see finishing up the marvel minute so james gunn we always talk about him like we said because he does all his facebook uh social media stuff so i'm going to send you all a picture right now of a man who had uh, who got a tattoo because he apparently loves Guardians of the Galaxy so much. Here it comes. Are you ready? Here, there it goes. While we're getting it, can I interject a little bit? Kind of uh, maybe do a little uh, a, an, an aside yeah. to the Marvel, the Marvel Minute. Just to get your all's reaction to this, I read on stanlee.com this week that they asked Stan within the last you know, few days what his favorite Marvel movie is so far. Did you see this? I saw it, but I saw the headline and did not read it. Yeah. He said his favorite Marvel movie so far is uh, Raimi's Spider-Man, the first one. Wow. Uh, what would what do you think about that? I kind of get it um, in that it probably holds a place in his heart because Stan tried to get movies made, good Marvel movies, uh, hmm. for like 20, 25, 30 years, like that was Stan's job and Stan was awful at it. And like, you know, basically got nothing made. Like, and, and all the, the ones that, that we cringed at, uh, the first, that Captain America movie that was like before, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, the Punisher with Dolph Lundgren and Nick Fury with... Uh, hey, shout out to Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> there you go. He found his way in, always. The first Punisher. Um, That's right. Go ahead. And Nick Fury with uh, Hasselhoff. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, all that stuff ha- happened under Stan's watch, and that was supposed to be his job, was to go out to California and make some movies happen. So when when it kind of gets taken out of his hands and Spider-Man happens for the first time, and, like, dude was passionate about this. He wanted Marvel movies, like, more than anything. And uh, so when that first Spider-Man movie happens, he sees what he wanted all those years and was unable to kind of pull off for himself. Like, you know, like it was like a big chunk of his life's work uh, had never come through. And then all of a sudden you see Spider-Man in full top shelf, big budget glory, you know, for the first time one of his characters is on screen. So I can see where that's always going to be number one in his heart. And I can't fault him for that. Yeah. On the surface, it kind of seemed, a little silly, but with the backstory that that makes complete sense now. 
Yeah, I, I can't be, I can't imagine that a lot of that is coming from just him <laughs> as a you know as a movie reviewer deciding that that's you know the absolute best. Not that it's you know it's awful compared to all the others. It no, uh, it, it's up there in you know the the first two of those movies. But uh, yeah, just I, I think just emotionally it holds a place for him. Well, I mean, the last thing you, the last thing you want to do is go with Golan Globus, right? Golan Globus and Roger Corman that had the rights to some of those, uh-huh. you know. I mean, that was just, I mean, he was just trying to get them made. And, of course, that wasn't the climate at the time when, when he was trying to get those made. They just, they, they weren't working uh, until Batman, you know. So Yeah, and they made that uh, Fantastic Four movie. Before the Jessica Alba version, they made a... Fantastic Four movie with Roger Corman and uh, just to retain the rights to it and it got shelved and they paid to have it never see the light of day and it's supposedly one of the worst things of all time. I heard it was uh, underneath all the E.T. Atari game cartridges somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> could, it, could it possibly be worse than the newest Fantastic Four? Man, way to book in those movies. So did you receive the picture of the tattoo? Yeah, I, I did. That's pretty impressive. Wow. <laughs> Describe it. His entire torso is filled with rocket. <laughs> a raccoon, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. His except, whole, like, except, from the neck to the abdomen. Except the lower torso. There's no rocket down there. Yeah. It, what's, what's, on, what's, what's on there? Because I can't see that real well. The... The ship, the Milano, is oh my god, is on his abs, and it goes on down past his. Who knows how low it goes? It goes past his his belt line. But yes, yeah, so is there anything that you love that much that you would <laughs> tattoo across your entire chest? I would never. I don't think I would ever sit in a chair and let somebody laser etch anything <laughs> on me. Uh, not even a raccoon. Not not a raccoon. <laughs> not Neil Finn's face. Not uh, <laughs> you know. Not it's cr- and that that says a lot. It's crazy. I wouldn't do that. It's crazy. Um, like how well considered was this? Like how much thought did he put into the, this? Like, do I want to do this? And and this is going to be on me forever. Like rocket, right. like he that kid, like that has to be to him, just like uh, Crowded House is the greatest band of all time. <laughs> Guardians yeah. must be the greatest movie of all time to that kid. Ha- and wow, I mean, I just I can't get over it. So I've got a couple questions that stem from that. Um, the first one being, so if if uh, a guy broke into your house, go with me on this. Imagine this. A dude, uh, ski mask and all, he, he breaks into your house, he ties your family up, and he puts a gun to your head, and he says, I'm killing all of you, I'm <laughs> one by one, unless you <laughs> let me tattoo a movie on your chest right now. Oh, my gosh. And you get to pick. <laughs> so, so what's the movie if you if you have to do it? Oh man, dude! First of all, to answer your question, the first question: there's nothing I would get tattooed, period, ever, uh-huh. because I'm terrified of needles, <laughs> and um, so I can't imagine, like, even in in a in a place where it would be uh, it would be hidden from all all people all the time, I, I couldn't let anybody get a needle. <laughs> but that question, um, dude, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I'll go. I'll let you think about it for a minute. Go. I'm thinking uh, maybe like Bill Murray in some role is a possibility. Uh, yeah. The dude, I might, I might get a like a, that's a good one. get the dude yeah, uh, Lebowski on on, on my chest. Um, Todd, you got any thoughts? I mean, the guy's got this gun at your head. You got to come up with something, like right now. Well, how about this? How about the snowflake from the beginning of the Grinch? Mm. Oh no, that's pretty good. 
It's pretty good because and then it's, a, it's, it's simplistic and your skin tone. Yeah, your skin tone is kind of matches that, so there wouldn't <laughs> be a lot of filler work. Okay, the the man says we're role playing now. We're playing we're playing Dungeons and Dragons right now. The man says no. It has to be a character. Well, okay. first, first off, I would say, Scott, get out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> and then if that didn't work, I would probably say, look, you didn't listen to Crowded House, did you? Because if you had, there'd be love in your heart. <laughs> okay, if, if we if we didn't have to go character, I might get uh, Big Earn McCracken's bowling ball with the rose in it. Yeah. Because um, that would be kind of cool. And... I mean, I guess. And then <laughs> if it had to be <laughs> if it had to be a movie character, maybe uh maybe Doc Holiday. Yeah. <laughs> There's no good answer, is there? There's not. What's what's the worst movie? okay, my last uh question on the topic is what is the worst movie themed tattoo you all have ever seen in person? Oh, in person. Oh, I had to think about that too. Do you have one? I do. I do. We went to uh, that used to be a favorite game of ours when we went to, uh, and you might remember this. We went to um, Kings Island one year, and for anybody oh, yeah. who doesn't know Kings Island, it's a theme park in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, so we used to do like tattoo spotting, like you just you know people watching and you know pick out the worst tattoos that we see, and so one person had. Uh, Roger Rabbit, and I believe complete with wording of who framed Roger Rabbit on on their, on their arm. And even then, and this was in the 90s, and we even said, like, geez, like, you got to be into Roger Rabbit. And, like, that's going to be on there forever. Man. Todd, you ever seen a movie? Goodness, movie? Roger Rabbit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good flick, not a great tattoo. Now, have you ever seen any uh, movie-themed tattoos in person? Um, nothing Nothing as extravagant as what you just sent me or what you described to uh -huh. me with Roger Rabbit. I've never... Um, I was told many years ago not to look at people so much. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke. That's a joke, by the way, folks. So, um, I, I, don't, I don't think I've... I mean... The, usually the only the only time I see him, you know, we're just, you know, you'll see, you know, maybe something on the arm and it's something weird like, um, I don't know, mama doesn't love me, um, you know, so I don't, I don't, I haven't seen a lot of just really elaborate uh, movie based tattoos. Yeah. Well, it sounds like Roger might be the winner then. Yeah, I'm trying to think. If I come up with one, I'll definitely interject. I'm trying to think. I just haven't, haven't. I don't guess I've seen it enough to where it, it obviously wasn't that bad. <laughs> um, I've seen a few on the internet. Like I've seen the dude that's got the. I don't know if y'all have seen this. Like his full uh, upper arm is is tattooed with the the mask. Oh, the dude from the mask, <laughs> oh, Jim Carrey, but the the, the share version. Oh my I've god! I've seen that one. If you haven't seen that one, just I mean, you can Google the mask tattoo. I'm sure it's the first <laughs> image that'll come up. Um, but yeah, I, I can't think of anything. Here's the case for my Doc Holiday: is like while I'm while I'm moderately youngish and and my my skin's kind of holding together, it looks. <laughs> and then once I get old and things start going going to crap, uh, it looks like he did in the movie when he had syphilis real bad. So. Um, there you go. There's my case. Tuberculosis. Let's not give tuberculosis. Yeah, all day syphilis. <laughs> the big T. My bad. We don't. We don't want. We don't want the holiday family coming after us. Um, That's true. Yeah. It's 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 um yeah it's necrophobe or it's phobia. And <laughs> probably one final tidbit that I just thought of. They I just saw the other night they had. Um, the both Ghostbusters casts on Jimmy Kimmel. And uh, so the the full living cast of the old movie and then this new one. And they had people uh, on that came on that had Ghostbusters tattoos. And there were a ton of people that had massive Ghostbusters tattoos. 
so I guess that's not that surprising, but it, again, it was just, it was crazy. And, you know, like there was one, there was one woman that had like, cause most of them had like their whole arm and like bunches of care, you know, a whole bunch of characters and stuff like that. But this lady had just a huge Egon face on her inner thigh. <laughs> but if you want to see some awkward television, if anybody's just dying to see some awkward television, go, go watch that, uh, with Jimmy Kimmel and the, and the Ghostbusters, uh, cast. Cause th- that's some awkward TV. And like, yep. uh, I, I I don't know if it was because they had to keep saying how good the movie is, and I just wasn't buying it or or yeah. what. But uh, yeah, it was some weird that's, television. I was that's one thing I was going to bring up to get your all's natural reaction was had you seen it and what did you think of Bill Murray specifically's quotes about the new one? <laughs> just wasn't buying it. Yeah, yeah, it kind of seemed it seemed a little bit like I've got a, exactly like you said, like I'm I'm on the spot. I've got this cast here, so it almost seemed like the the most it wasn't really an underhanded compliment but it was like the most ambiguously nice he could talk yeah. about the movie yeah i agree did you get that feel too yeah okay oh one more question one more question superhero yeah. superhero related uh batman versus superman cinematographer larry fong uh he tweeted on june 2nd about the ultimate edition blu-ray that came out uh, he said, fans will dig it. Fans will dig it. If you hated it, you'll still hate it. All right. But then Friday, <laughs> so then this Friday, he tweeted out, watch the Ultimate Edition again. Now believe, all caps, everyone will, all caps, love it. Do you buy it? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Right, I believe that first tweet, right? And then somebody yes. got yelled at, and then, like, yeah, sure, right? That's exactly what it was. That was how, you can't say people aren't going to like this. <laughs> watched, well, go undo what you did. Oh, I watched it again, and now I think, yeah, everyone will love it. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I would love at some point to go on a rant <laughs> about Batman versus Superman, but I I, I want to get my thoughts in order before I do that because it it would it would be an incoherent mess if I did it. Um, just like that movie, by the way. <laughs> um, but no, I'm not buying that. I would ever like. There's no version of that movie I will ever like. There you go, Todd. What do you think? What if they did a shot for shot remake with um, chimpanzees? I'd be more inclined be- to watch it. Yep, it would it would make just as much sense. I haven't seen uh, I haven't seen Batman versus Superman yet, but if they made a chimpanzee version, I might watch that one first. Oh my god! Well, I uh, I need you to watch it so that I can rant about it. And, okay, and you can. Yeah. Well, you can I, I want you to it, maybe at least have a comeback with I don't I don't go with you on that or something to make yeah. you feel a little bit better about it. I, there's nothing about that movie I like, not one thing. As soon as it comes out, I'll 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 put it in. Okay. Where do you where do you go from there? That's that's my question because I mean I know where they're what they're planning, but I just this is not a good jumping off point. Nope. Nope. All right. Are are you ready to wrap up the the Marvel minutes? I'm pluralizing minute now. By the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. It is done. It is wrapped up. Okay. All right. I think that's a. I think that's a segment. So. Um, Let's stop it right there. Let's take a break. Uh, we're going to regroup after we had to bring up that stupid Batman versus Superman movie, and I need to get that taste out of my mouth a little bit. So I'm going to go get another cup of coffee. We're going to come back, and, uh, yeah, we got more fun ahead. Let's talk hard. There they are, Danielle and the girls from Heim. Scott's proclaimed greatest rock band on the planet right now. I, I want you guys to judge for yourselves. I'm going to judge. 
when, once I get more familiar with these claims and these bands, and, and we'll come back and let them know what we think. So, uh, anyway. Um, all right, so it was announced earlier this week, I think, that uh, Ron Howard is getting the Apollo 13 gang back together, and they're all going back into space uh, to do a movie off a novel that was written last last year, I think, or it came out last year, uh, called Seven Eves. Um, it's a science fiction uh, movie that, or science fiction book that he's going to make the movie on. That's the the premise is a little insane. Have you guys heard of that? The Seven Eves? Not at all. I have not either. Yeah, apparently it's it's a pretty big, uh, pretty big, hot seller like New New York Times bestseller and all that stuff. Um, I mean, obviously pretty big if they're uh, if they got the film rights to it and and got Ron Howard to do it and he's agreed to do it. Uh, he's bringing in William Boyles Jr., who wrote Apollo 13, and uh, Brian Glazer, who produced it um, so far. Um, Ron, I, I brought this up to talk about Ron Howard a little bit. Do you guys, What do you guys think about him in general as a director? Uh, I like Ron Howard a lot. Uh, I think he started out super hot. Uh, you know, right out of the gate, he had, you know, some big movies that I think have lasted the test of time, um, like Parenthood and mm -hmm. Cocoon and Splash. And like those, I think those are movies that made a big imprint and even, you know, Apollo 13 for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, even Backdraft is something I at least remember. Like it's, you know, you can't like forget about Backdraft. And then I would as much say, as you want to. <laughs> and then I would say in the last, you know, to or at least for me in the last fifteen to twenty years, it's been a lot more forgettable. Uh, I'm not huge on the Da Vinci movies, the Da Vinci Code movies, whatever you would call those. Right. And uh, I, Rush was good. Um, yeah. I liked it, but you know, it's it's a little. It, it, it is a little forgettable for me, but I did like it a lot. Um, and then in the heart of the sea, man, just people did not like that movie. Uh, I haven't seen it and, and probably won't because it's so universally panned. But uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. The, if, if he's, losing his touch or what, but that's kind of the, the image that I have of Ron Howard. I, I think splash is probably one of the funniest, one of the funniest eighties movies that's out there. Um, and it's due mainly to, you know, to Tom Hanks, John Candy and, and Ron Howard. That's another guy we, we left off the, was, uh, the, 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 the comedy list was, was Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks in the eighties. Yeah. Mm -hmm. was very funny. Tom Hanks, after, I think, Punchline, was not. Um, uh, except for small doses. Uh, but keep in mind, Ron Howard also did um, Gung Ho, uh, Willow, mm -hmm. with Val Kilmer. Um, but let's also let's state the obvious. He, did, he also did Ed TV. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Willow was big for, for kids of our age, Alan. Do you remember that making a big impression? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, I, I loved it. As far as a fantasy movie goes, it might still hold up. I mean, mm -hmm. I'd love yeah. to watch it again, but it was really good. And that was George Lucas produced, see? So that was a Lucas film. He, he really had that kind of, kind of Lucas Spielberg, you know, Amblin feel in a lot of his early movies. And mm -hmm. then the second, you know, the tail end of his career, the second half has been a very much different feel of the type of projects that he's choosing to do. Mm -hmm. And let's not forget, let not, let's not forget Arrested Development, at least the first. Oh, you know, and yeah, if yeah, nothing I'm else. I'm going to bring that up too, yeah. Yeah, if nothing else, I, I'll love, you know, Ron Howard forever for, yeah, uh, being a part of Arrested Development. Yep. I, I agree pretty much wholeheartedly with everything you guys have said. I think he when he was rolling in the 90s, um, I don't know what, what, what flipped in the last 20 years. In 96, he did Ransom with Mel Gibson, yeah. which I thought was pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, not great, but good. Yeah. And then he went Made a lot of money, too. 
Yeah, yeah. Then he went on to do right after that was Ed TV, and then How the Grinch Stole Christmas, which made my list of worst uh, holiday <laughs> movies of all time. Yeah, um, with Jim Carrey. I, I, here's here's a you you all want a, a hot take what, of you, mine on? Yes, on right I, I do. Hold on, but time out before you get to it. Did you hear they're going to they're rebooting the Grinch already? No, like a live action. Yeah, with Benedict Cumberbatch. I just saw that this week. Oh my god. Oh wow! <laughs> like that's wow. Oh, we got ideas. <laughs> yeah, like first of all, that's a great decision by whoever decided to make that crap movie. Like, like if you're gonna make it, like first of all, you shouldn't make it. But if you're gonna no. make it, like that's probably the best decision you could pick for the Grinch as Benedict Cumberbatch. Like, so good job for you. But and getting him because why would he do it? <laughs> exactly. Don't do that. Like, yeah. God. So, oh, well, that's that, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, I, I hated the Grinch. I hated it. I hate, and I was looking forward so so forward to it because I love the cartoon and love the Dr. Seuss version. Love it. It's I like yeah. it. It and the and the dog Max hold a special place to me. Um, but that movie was atrocious and boring. <laughs> um, okay, so here's, me, here's can I can I ask something real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Which was worse, that? Or Batman versus Superman. Oh, Batman versus Superman. Okay, was because you got a <laughs> lot of good material to work with with Batman versus you got a you got a, a twenty minute cartoon and a book a children's book to work with for a full length movie. Right. I give I give them a little pass. You got what seventy years of stories and books with Batman and Superman to to reference to be able to make a good movie with that, and you still can't do it. Not only can you not do it, but you take a dump with it. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> I just wanted to, I wanted to I wanted to get a, a meter to really get me going. <laughs> no, that uh, yeah, I would I would pick that, but I don't. Uh, you hold a gun to my head and say you have to watch even one of those two. I'd say just pull the trigger, please. <laughs> um, but uh, okay, so Ron Howard, I think in the last twenty years, I think he has hit a few home runs. And he's kind of whiffed on a few. And I think the home runs he's hit are true stories that he's retelling. And I think that the ones he's missing on are when he's trying to do fictional stories and trying to tell those. Um, and and uh, maybe with In the Heart of the Sea as being the one exception to that, because I think that was the true story of of what what uh, they did the Moby Dick story on. But um, like his good stuff has been really good. Like Cinderella man, I really liked a beautiful mind. I really liked, and those are all, those are true stories that he's retelling. Whereas the Da Vinci stuff is not, not that great. The dilemma with, yeah. uh, with, with Vince Vaughn and, um, and, uh, King of Queens, Kevin James was, was pretty bad. Um, is there anything to that? You guys, it's a shame. Cause I think he was, comedy was such a strong point for him when he started because that's what he did first if if i'm not mistaken he didn't he direct um, night shift with mm-hmm. michael keaton yep he did and that's a lot of people love that he, he followed that up with splash he did gung-ho not too long after that mm-hmm. he also did cocoon so comedy was kind of his forte it seemed uh he kind of you know moved away from that and started doing you know more dramas it seems like but uh and it's it's sad because he, he you know at least he tried to go back to comedy uh it may not have worked out well other than in the rest of development um but i, I like i liked what he did with comedies because i mean splash honestly is one of my favorite comedies of the 80s i, I really enjoyed yep. the interplay between hanks and candy uh the story was good it was you know this kind of fable uh real life fable that they brought to life and um, Daryl Hannah was actually enjoyable. Uh, it was just, you know, a lot of good things. And then it's just, you know, his, his, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't love gung ho, but I thought it was okay. Uh, cocoon definitely had that Spielberg feel. It felt like a Spielberg movie and I think he may have produced it. So it's almost like when you, if you're, if it's an Amblin production, um, it automatically has to feel like a Spielberg movie. So, yeah. And you're talking about the that second, glow. the second half, right, Alan? Basically, right, I'm talking, yes. 
it's the last 20 years, the 96 on. I, I yeah. mean, there's definitely a, a pattern from, you know, just you reading them off. It's like uh, you, you're pretty much – it sounds like you're hitting it. Like you, when, you, when you go down the list of, you know, what's based on a true story and what's not, those are the best ones. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, kind of indisputable. Um, right, yeah, Rush, Cinderella Man, and um, and A Beautiful Mind are all true stories. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Ed TV, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the the Da Vinci movies, The Missing, which I didn't like. Oh yeah, Missing. Um, I mean, it, I, it it was kind of a snore fest. The Dilemma. It just seems like he's great at at taking true stories and and finding the 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 great dramatic beats and the the plot points of those and accentuating them. But when he's adapting a novel or or maybe even a, an original screenplay, it just doesn't doesn't work for him. What what were you going to say about it? I'd I'd like to see him uh, take a crack at comedy again, like Todd is saying. It's you know he he sh- I think he showed with uh, Arrested Development. It's not like he's writing it or anything, but you know as a producer and he you know and he did the narration. I think he's got you know good comedy instincts and always has you know even back to his days with Happy Days and stuff like that. I think there's something about his voice that lends itself to. Uh, and not just his physical voice, but you know, figuratively to comedy. So I'd like to see him take a uh, a crack at that again. I haven't seen In the Heart of the Sea, and I think I'm going to because I think it was, from what I've understood, it was marketed poorly. Mm-hmm. It was marketed as an adventure film of uh, like a man versus nature type, the gray type thing on the sea, and it's really not that. It's more of a drama that kind of. Uh, has a as a climax. This is going to sound great. Get this drop. A, a climax with Moby Dick. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I think I'm going to give it a shot because I think if you go into it knowing what to expect, it's good. But I think with the way that the trailers made it out to be was it was going to be just um, Captain Ahab against this whale for for two hours, and you're going to get a lot of nice sea battle stuff. I will. I'll. I'll, uh, I'll let you. Take that gamble. I'm going to predict okay. that that you that it's not good. That even it's regrettable. Yeah, that even <laughs> knowing well what it is and and ha, you know kind of low, tempering your expectations, I think you still won't like it. And that's okay. completely based off the trailer. This is this is my trailer instinct talking. And there's oh, a, <laughs> you pride yourself on those. That's right. There's one line specifically that uh, Hemsworth delivers. Uh, and it just, it's awful. And if he, if his acting is on that level through the entire film, then it would be hard for me to watch. Cause it was like, are you saying it's kind of cheesy and looks forced? And I think Hemsworth does the best he can with what he's got. I don't, I don't think like there are definitely huh. some movies where, it, I don't know, he's getting better direction or something, and yeah, it's yeah. working for him a little bit better, but there are times that even Thor is a little, you know, he, he's got some scenes that are better than others. He's he's a little stiff sometimes, and okay. I think when he tries to get dramatic, that's not his, that's not his sweet spot, and this is a dramatic movie. And uh, there's there's like one line, and he's like some guy like yells out, "We could all die" or something like that. And then he, I think he says, "But we could all survive" or something. And it's <laughs> it's so <laughs> melodramatic and awful. If any of you want to check out the trailer, I'm pretty sure that's in most of them. But ugh, it's yeah, bad. That sounds like a William Shatner line. Yeah, it's really bad. <laughs> so I'm completely busting on the movie based on one line and one, one line. delivery. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I thought he was pretty good in in Rush. And that's yeah, not a typical role for him. Right. Yeah, and and um, but to your point, uh, I actually watched the the remake of Red Dawn, and that's a pollen uh, of monkey poo. Yeah. So um, yeah, and he was a part of that. So I get what you're saying as well. So with that being said, about Hemsworth's, uh, started going over the top sometimes. What? How much are you dreading his role in the new Ghostbusters? I think he'll be fine in that. Really? Like, yeah. Like I think the movie's gonna. I don't want to. I don't want. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't, yeah, I don't I'm not. Yep. Gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna try not to go overboard on that. I don't think it's gonna be good. I don't mm-hmm. think I'm gonna like it. 
But as far as his role specifically, he might be kind of funny in you know in the fact that because he does that on Saturday Night Live sometimes they make him um he and and he he's not bad on SNL uh, but they'll do some yeah. sketches okay. where they you know he's the uh super big super super good looking dude and they make him kind of a dork or nerdy and and I think that he does that humor fairly well you know going okay. going against type and so maybe he won't be awful maybe. Did you uh, did anybody see him in Vacation? No, I haven't seen Vacation. No. Okay, he was he wasn't bad in Vacation. He kind of plays a, you know, really rich guy that uh, I think is is uh, it's Audrey's husband, um, the 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 child the child grown up daughter of uh, Chevy Chase's character. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, he's pretty good. In- for what it is, it's a kind of a you know, it's a small role. Yeah, and I'd rather see him personally. I'd rather see him in a comedy than a than a trying to do too much heavy lifting in a drama. Yeah. All right. Well, there's your uh, there's your Ron Howard and a little bit of Chris Hemsworth uh, to get you through your week. Um, I think that uh, I think I'm I'm about wrapped up with this one. You guys, you guys, good? I'm good. I'm All always right. good. There you go. Uh, all right, so you, you guys got a little homework this week. Uh, listen to your crowded house. Listen to your Heim. Let's get back together, reconvene, and, and see what we think. Um, H-A-I-M. H-A-I-M. That's right. Um, Todd, do you want to spell crowded house? You think we're good? <laughs> I will I will spell it. Capital okay. C. Ara. Hold on. Oh. Hold on. Let me get a, get, a, get a pen. Yeah, let us get, let us, let's get equipped. All you got to do is... Um, Put that big C up there. R O W. Capital H O U S E N. All right. Just like it sounds. There it is. Uh, yeah, appreciate you guys listening. Uh, keep sharing. And, um, you know, we'll come back real soon with, with some more fun. So, uh, for. Scott Stafford and Todd Sheen. This is Alan Martin reminding you to walk softly and talk hard. We will surely perish out there. We might also survive. We might also survive. Well, I hope you come to see me in the movie. And I know that you are plain to see. Biggest fool that's ever hit the big time. And all I gotta do is act naturally